Okay, so we said today we celebrate Trinity Sunday, a celebration of our faith. And I mentioned the creed, but what some might not know is there's really two versions. We have the Apostles' Creed and we have the Nicene Creed. And normally when we say it, we just say the Apostles' Creed generically, but actually what we pray at Mass is actually the Nicene Creed comes from 325, the first ecumenical council. Now in it, we celebrate today the Holy Trinity and in it about midnight, as I said last night, I just got this inspiration, you know, what to say on the Trinity. It's all there. It's all there in the creed. And so I started going back to the church fathers and ended up focusing on writing something that I want to share with you that I wrote last night that I hope will help you to understand what we pray every Mass at the Creed. Because this is our faith. I'm going to do it sentence by sentence. So hopefully this will make sense. Okay. Let's begin right from the beginning. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. Let's look at this. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty. Let's start there. We believe in our faith in one God, but three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know that. Not three gods. And our one God is not only King and Lord but he is heavenly father. So I believe in one God, the father. All right, Abba. You heard brother JP just read that. We are his children adopted at baptism. So God is Lord over all and thus makes him almighty. So he's father because he's Abba and he's also Lord over everything. So he has all might, he is almighty. All right, what about maker of heaven and earth? How can we say that about the Father? Because we attribute to the first person of the Trinity, God the Father, creation. We attribute to the Son, redemption, and to the Holy Spirit, sanctification. But right now in the Creed, we're talking about the Father. And to him, we attribute creation. So we say maker of heaven and earth. All right, of all things visible and invisible. What does that mean? He created everything we can see, each other, but he also created all the things we can't see, invisible. For example, we believe in angels. That's dogmatic revelation. We believe in our own souls, although we can't see them. We believe in demons that want to bring our demise, all those we can't see them. Those are the things invisible. So we believe in things, all things visible and invisible. All right, next line. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're to the second person of the Trinity. See, we started with the Father. Now we are to the Son. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, before, born of the Father before all ages. Okay, what does that mean? I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ. Let's start there. The Trinity is one God, as I said. Now we're talking about the second person of the Trinity. He is the Word, the eternal Word. So when God the Father speaks, he speaks the Word. All right, this is a powerful stuff. And Jesus is the second person 
the word that is spoken by the Father. All right, so the second person is the Son. And this second person is made incarnate. The others are not. Only the second person became man. Now it says it's the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages. What does that mean? He was born. He was begotten. Now, what does that mean? It means he comes from the Father. He proceeds from the Father, but he's not created. He's always been. And he is not made. So it says begotten, not made. It means he never had a beginning. Well, Father, I don't understand that. What is begotten made? He comes from. It's kind of like the heat that comes from the sun, but it's just always been. Now, yes, the sun was created. I'm talking S-U-N now. But the sun, S-O-N, has always been perpetually coming from the Father. He's not made. He is not created. He's always existed. So Jesus is fully God and he is eternal. So that's where it says, born of the Father before all ages. So he's always been, he's eternal. And just as the Father, he's existed before all ages. All right, next. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father, through him all things were made. This is a big one. All right, God from God, what does that mean? All right, we said that Jesus is the word of God, so he comes from the Father. God the Son comes from God the Father. That's what we mean by God from God. God the Son comes from God the Father. We said the word of God, Jesus Christ, proceeds from the Father. So God the Son came from God the Father. God from God. Now what about light from light? All right, light from light. God reveals to us in Genesis that God, all he has to do is speak and it happens. And when God spoke and when he created, he said, let there be light. And there was light. So light meaning from the word that God spoke light, and from that word light came light. Light from light. That's our whole existence. And there was light. God said light, and there was light. Light from light. So the light from the world came from God's world light. Now, true God from true God. All right, the truth of God, the Son, all right, came from the truth of God, the Father. When he spoke, all right, begotten, not made. Again, begotten, meaning that the first person is the father. He is the origin. The father is not begotten. He is the origin and the son and the Holy Spirit come from him. And the son is begotten of the father. None were created, but the son being begotten means he came from him. Again, not made, begotten, not made. The council fathers at Nicaea made sure to refute the Arian, Arian heresy, which claimed that Jesus was created, that he was made. That's why we say begotten, not made. All right. Consubstantial with the father. Begotten, not made. Consubstantial with the father. What does that mean? Consubstantial means they share the same substance. They are one in being essence or nature all right they share the same oneness god is inseparable 
So they are consubstantial. Substantial means of substance. They're one substance. All right. This emphasizes that there's one God, but each person is nonetheless distinct from the other. Con. Like when I con celebrate means I celebrate with another priest. So when it's consubstantial means they're of the same substance, but they are unique, distinct from each other. They live in relation to each other. We believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man in his nature. All right. Through him, all things were made. This is also a realization that it is through the word of God that all things were created. Jesus is the word. So when it says through him, all things were made. That's just John chapter one, verse three. All things were made through him. That comes right from gospel of John. All right, for us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. All right, what do we mean by for us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. Jesus Christ, the word of the Father, was sent on a mission from the Father to come down from heaven to redeem us, to offer us salvation. So he, for us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. Sent on a mission. Then it says, and by the power of the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. By the free choice of Mary and by the power of the Holy Spirit, the word of God took flesh. So the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, he was incarnate. So the word of God took flesh. Jesus Christ, this uncreated word through which all things were made, condescended, down to become one of us, to share in our humanity. This almighty God emptied himself and took the form of a slave, as Paul says. In the Latin rite, we bow at this part of the creed. The incarnation is literally an enfleshment of the second person, is what we celebrate at Christmas. This is one of the most important moments in human history. Our God became one of us. That what makes our religion different than any other. In no other religion would God become a man. This is why we're unique. All right, let's keep going. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. All right. <clears throat> For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. Why do they mention Pontius Pilate? All right, he was a Roman prefect. What does that mean? He was a governor of the Roman outpost of Judea. Think of it as a governor of a state. He would be like uh, a governor baker here in Massachusetts. He's a governor of one of the states of Rome or territories. Now, <clears throat> that was of Judea. The council fathers insisted on putting under Pontius Pilate to show that this was a historical reality, that it really happened. Now it says he suffered death and was buried. Yes, Jesus became a man to accomplish the work of our salvation. Remember, it was for us that he was crucified and he had to die because the penalty for sin is death. When you sin or I sin, we deserve to die. It says he rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Yes, Jesus truly rose from the dead on the third day after being buried. Why three days, Father? I don't understand it. It wasn't 72 hours. No, but in the Jewish tradition, even parts of a day were considered a day. 
So Jesus was in the tomb, right? Parts of Friday, Saturday, and he resurrected Sunday morning. So he was dead parts of Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And the third day, he rose again. It says, then he ascended into heaven. This is 40 days after the resurrection. Jesus ascended into heaven, and that allowed him seated at the right hand of the Father to then the Holy Spirit to come down upon us, down to man. So he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. This is important because that now allowed the Holy Spirit to descend, as I said, and now he reigns in heaven as king at the right hand of the Father. To be at somebody's right hand is a place of honor. You may have heard, he's my right-hand man. All right, that is a place of honor. There is nobody at God's left hand. I've gotten that question on the emails. Father, if Jesus is at the Father's right hand, who's at the Father's left hand? Stephen saw the throne of God, didn't mention anybody else. All right, he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. All right. He will come again in glory. What does that mean? He's already come once. His second time will be glory. He will have a perfected, glorified body. We believe that he will come again in this glory. It isn't the rapture. It's not what the Catholics believe. This is what we call the second coming. And it says to judge the living and the dead. <clears throat> what does that mean? At his second coming we will have the general judgment. Remember, our particular judgment is right after we die. We find out if we're going to heaven, hell, or a stay in purgatory. But ultimately, at the general judgment, we will learn the fate of everybody else. We will, God will reveal his whole plan for salvation history and why he did what he did, why he allowed suffering like he did. So this is important. Now, at the second coming, we'll have this general judgment. And everything we have done will be laid out and everybody will know except what you have confessed and been repented of. And true justice will be accomplished. So those who deserve <clears throat> and have chosen what they wanted, we will all agree with because it's true justice. So those who have chosen to be followers of Christ will rejoice that they have chosen heaven and those who have been lost to hell, we will understand because that was their choice. And his kingdom will have no end. What does that mean? The second coming will result in the passing away of the old heaven and the old earth, establishing Christ's everlasting kingdom. All right, we're getting almost done. Bear with me. I believe in the Holy Spirit. So we just did the son. We've done the father. We just did the son. Now we're going to finish with the Holy Spirit. This is a big one. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. That's a mouthful. Now let's see what it means. I believe in the Holy Spirit. That is the third person. And who is he? He's simply the love between the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit the love between the Father and the Son is so great that from it comes a third person, the Holy Spirit, just like the family. We are a mirror of the Trinity. From the Father and the Mother on earth, the love is so great that from it comes a third person, the child. So this is who the Holy Spirit is. 
The Lord, the giver of life. Why is the Holy Spirit the giver of life? I thought the father created. Yes, he did. But then he breathed onto Adam and Eve and gave them life. He created through the word. So the father created, but then the word was spoken and all things were made through which all things are made. That's the son. But then he breathed on creation. That breath is the Holy Spirit and gave him life. So we rightly call him the Lord and giver of life because God breathed into the first man. This Holy Spirit, this holy breath of God is the Holy Spirit, which gives us life and sustains us. All right. Who proceeds from the father and the son. All right. So the Holy Spirit comes from both the father and the son. It's the love between them. Whereas the son comes only from the father. The Holy Spirit comes from both the father and the son. That's where we differ from the Eastern Orthodox. They believe the Holy Spirit comes only from the son. We in the Latin church under Rome believe that the Holy Spirit comes from both the father and the son. He's the love between them. All right, you hanging in there with me? <laughs> You're getting a real catechism seminary course today. I always laugh about taking you all back to seminary and giving you seminary training. This is the core of it. All right, let's keep going. So unlike the father, okay, it says here, who proceeds from the father and son. So unlike the son who comes from the father, the Holy Spirit comes from both the father and the son. So like I said, it's different from the east. Who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified? Why? Because all three members are equal. We adore and glorify the Holy Spirit the same way we do the Father and the Son. They're all equal. He is glorified and loved as God along with the Father and the Son. Okay, next, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe, all right, that the Holy Spirit came and spoke both before the incarnation and after. But he didn't speak on his own. He only knows what is revealed to him from the Son, and the Son knows what is revealed to him from the Father. So, we believe the Holy Spirit, preceding the incarnation as well as after, inspired the prophets. He inspired the writers of the gospel. This is why we say the author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit. He never speaks on his own, but rather communicates what comes from the Son, as the Son communicates what comes to him from the Father. Know the Father through the Son, know the Son through the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, we want to get back to God the Father. How do we know God the Father? Through God the Son who revealed the Father. Well, Father, how, Father Chris, how do I know the Son? You know the Son because he's revealed by the Holy Spirit. So if you want to know the Son, ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's who aware, makes us aware. That's why this scripture is authored by the Holy Spirit. Amazing. All right, so let's keep going. We're getting close. All right, all right. So right here, he's spoken through the prophets, as I said. Um, through the Son, we know this. Okay, I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. All right. The church of Jesus Christ is his body. All right. Therefore, the church is holy. All right. Even if human beings who make up the church, myself and included, are not always holy, the church is holy. Even if we have 
some stupidity in our mistakes, in our brokenness. I always say, don't leave Jesus because of Judas. Even if we've had some bad priests or bishops. All right, don't do that. The church is both human and divine like Jesus. In her divine nature, she'll never fail you. She's perfect. Your teachings are guaranteed. But in her humanity, she can fail. So we don't want to leave Jesus because of Judas. Like Judas, um, we can make mistakes. We've even betrayed our Lord every time we sin. But like Jesus, the church is human and divine. In her divine nature, she is holy. So the church is one because Christ is one. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. So she is one because Christ is one. Now she is Catholic. This is not the Catholic formal religion. When we say, I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, it's small c, not capital C, meaning that you're under Rome. Catholic here, small c means universal. So the church is Catholic because the church is universal. All right. And the church is apostolic. This is my favorite line because I get letters all the time. I'm not into this man-made religion. Our religion is not man-made. It is apostolic, which means it comes from the apostles, which means it came from Jesus Christ. This is not man-made tradition. This is apostolic tradition. Everything you are learning here, everything done in the mass is not man-made tradition. It's apostolic tradition. This is why we say we believe in one holy Catholic universal and apostolic church. Christ founded this church on the apostles. And then finally, last sentence. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. All right, what about that? I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We enter into the church through baptism by which we were cleansed of all sin, especially original sin, grafted into Christ, into the Holy Trinity, now as adopted sons of children, sons and daughters, to God the Father, to Abba. The Bible says we need baptism for salvation. Baptism by water and the spirit. Unless you are born of water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And where you get baptism, the church. All right, how about this? And I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. What does that mean? All right, we believe that when Christ comes again, we'll be reunited with our bodies in a glorified way. Your bodies will be perfected, similar to Christ's resurrected body. So I look forward to the resurrection of the dead. I'll have my body back, even with all the intestines and everything with it, but it'll be perfected. You won't be sick. The lame will walk. And the life of the world to come. We look forward to the life of the world to come, which is eternal blessedness. In the company of the angels and the saints, constantly praising God, we will gaze upon him for all eternity. And it's not going to be boring. Every minute will be a fulfillment. Can you imagine? We will want for nothing and all suffering will be gone. This is called the beatific vision. Incredible. And then finally, 
Amen. <laughs> You're probably thinking, thank you, Father. Amen. You're done. Amen means yes. So be it. I believe. It is the only ending to the creed that we can offer as human beings. All of this has been revealed by God. All we can say is yes. So be it. I believe. Amen. God has revealed all to us. And our amen is the response of our hearts. This is our faith. This is the Trinity. And this is the Nicene Creed, which is the basis of our faith for 1,700 years. For people who want to tell you, I'm not into man-made religion, or I'm not into organized religion. Father, I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. You can say, okay, God bless you. I pray for you but you're not into organized religion? No. Well, that's too bad. Jesus was because Jesus organized religion and he gave it to us in this Catholic faith. And what we believe, we just read. And what we believe, we are now going to pray. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.